Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Thank you. It is wow. It's just wow. That's what I have to say. The first time Brian and I came to this church was November 1997. That is 25 years ago. We weren't especially young newlyweds, but we were newlyweds. The thing I remember about that day is that I had horrific morning sickness, my first baby, and that people were so friendly, so friendly. Don't stop being that. You never know who's going to walk through your door. You never know what the next 25 years will hold. I can tell you what I didn't know, that this would ever happen. Some of you remember how much I could not stand up in front of people. Simply could not. So much fear. This is our God. He sets the captives free. And he does it in community with people like you. You have loved me through the learning. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to all of us, that we would be called his children, that he would make us a family. And you know how families are. They're weird and quirky, and sometimes they get along, and sometimes they don't, and they stick with each other. And that's what you guys have done for our family. And I am grateful, so grateful. And so here we are. Um, This move is not a surprise to many of you, nor was it to us. Didn't make it easy. In the last few years, I've had different calls, different times, and I always knew it 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 wasn't the one. And uh, when this one started to seem like it was the one, I thought it would be a little easier because I'd been prepared. But last Sunday, where we sit, you know how we all have our spots, I was overcome with this feeling I can't do it. I can't leave you. This family that held us and loved us so well, I wasn't going to cry today. But that would be like one of five times I've ever preached without crying, right? (laughs) It's all right. We do authentic and real here. And I'm sitting there just feeling I can't, actually can't. Why? Why would I ever do this? Why indeed is the question. And you know the answer. You know the answer. The only reason any of us are here is we've been called to this resurrection life. It is an ongoing, vibrant, moving life that is yes to Jesus in whatever way he would say, not what we would say. And we know that it always works out for good. There's a verse that has been important to me multiple times in my last few years, actually, but was so coming to me over and over again these days as I find myself letting go, as I I pack up my house and realize empty nest happened in the last two years while other stuff was happening this letting go season. The verse is Romans 8, 15 to 16 in the message. I I brought a Kleenex just in case. (laughs) 
And this verse says this resurrection life you've received from God. So let's just stop there. Y'all, resurrection life, it's here. When we say yes to Christ and receive all of his grace for all of our brokenness, he plants inside of us a life that won't stay down. We can try to fight it, hem it in, ignore it, neglect it, but it's always going to try to rise up. This resurrection life that came from the Spirit of God compels and propels life always, always, always. This resurrection life that you have, that I have inside of us, it is not a timid, grave-tending life. Notice that the passage doesn't say there are no graves. There are. There are losses. And we're experiencing kind of an impressively large one. Thank God they don't happen a lot. But we've all experienced losses. And collectively, we've experienced loss in the last few years in a way that we don't even know what to do with, right? Nothing looks the same as it used to. There's graves. We see in Scripture that Jesus comes to graves. And what does he do? When Jesus encounters death, he brings life. He doesn't leave dead dead. He doesn't. He can't. His life is contagious. And so he's not been given this timid, grave-tending life. It is adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Would you just say, what's next, Papa? Yeah, he has a what's next for you. He has a what's next for all of us. And I do wonder if collectively in the world and perhaps in our congregation and in our families, we're all a little languishing still in what was. We're tired, and things were hard, and we don't want to think about it. And I think God wants to meet us at that grave and say, give it to me. Give me the ashes, the loss, the what was. We're not going back there, actually. What was is dead and gone. It's over. But it's not the end. There is a what's next. What do you have for us? And when we, we stand at a grave and we grieve a loss, what we need to take from it is what was good. Because the what was good came from God, and it's the same God that leads us forward. That's why we can be adventurously expectant. God's spirit touches our spirits there and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And here's why we can be adventurously expectant. And we know what we're going to get, what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times. Adventurously expectant. I love to cling to what was. It's known. <laughs> when I think back to 25 years ago, we had no idea. No idea. All the goodness that God would have for store for, in store for us in this very room as we engaged with all of you and worshiped God and sought him and saw him move and do things we couldn't imagine. This is our God. I also wouldn't have been able to bear the hard things that I didn't know were coming. None of us could have. Why on earth would we be adventurously expectant going forward? 
Because the same God who gave us that goodness holds goodness for the future. It's his promise. And the same God who carried us through the impossible, we're here. He's going to carry us through what's coming that might be difficult. This whole life of saying to yes to God is an ongoing journey of both death and life. The death part is to self. When I give my yes to Jesus, other things are going to have to die. There are a lot of words that start with self, self-righteous, self-conscious, self-pity, self-protection, self-will. All of these, all of these need to go to the cross because the only way to the resurrection life is through that death. Are there things that you know the Lord is asking you to surrender today? Yeah, of course there are. Not because he's mean, because he wants your hands open and empty to receive what he has for you. I think part of, part of the letting go that is so hard is the unknown. Unknown. I don't know what's coming next. I'll just do a little interlude here of facts and details. Um, this isn't the end of what you're going to see us. We'll be here next Sunday. <laughs> and our house isn't sold. Wouldn't you think if you say yes to Jesus, he will make the path smooth and clear before you? <laughs> I'm glad some of you are laughing because you know as well as I do, even though I kind of expected that would be nice. He could, but that's not how it's working. So we're going down. Brian will be back. He'll do some work. He'll come down. Yeah, it's, we don't know. I have a place to stay, I have a job, I have a team of people that are praying for a new day in their congregation. And it's God's kindness that he would let me be part of that. It's a hard letting go. It's an adventurously expected forward. Why? Because we're on mission with God. Um, I, for a point of reference, the Westlife Church is on the west side of Calgary, and it's right across the highway from Callaway Park. So if you don't want to come see us, come see Callaway Park and then come see us. <laughs> I went to visit on a little reconnaissance mission. They came to me when I was sick. I was like, this makes no sense to you, not know. Shockingly enough, not everybody knew. It's really okay, I'm making fun of myself there. And uh, why? No, this is ridiculous. No. And it didn't let up. And I felt like God was speaking to me. I have more life for you. And maybe I needed to hear that at that time of the year. I was so sick. And I was actually at a point where I was like, God, um, you could take me home and I'd be okay with that. That's just human. That's just our humanity. Just our humanity. And he told me to partner with life. And he said, I have more adventures for you and I want you to get well. So do the hard work of treatment, because I have something for you. So it was interesting that it came at that time, but I did do a reconnaissance mission when I was down in Calgary speaking somewhere else, and some of my friends just happened to say, where are you going to church today? People from this congregation. And they came along with me, and I didn't tell them what I was up to, but I asked them later, what did you think of that church service? And they said, you know, it's interesting. It feels a little bit like Beaver Lodge, doesn't it? So just think of you're sending me to more family, okay? But the unknown, 
How do we navigate the unknown moving forward when we know nothing? I feel like God right now is like pretty much get out of the boat and take the next step. Keep your eyes on me, keep walking. It seems scriptural. It's less fun in real life. So how do we navigate this? I've got three things that I've learned that have held me now in low these 52 years that I'm going to pass on to you as a parting message. You also are going into unknown. There's three things you need to know. And I can do them in a relatively small nutshell. You need to know that in this unknown that you're going forward into, God is with you. And that God is good. And that God will lead you and guide you. These are the only ways we can go forward in my experience into uncertainty without losing your ever-loving mind and going back to clinging to what was. And we can go back and cling to what was, but it's dead. It isn't anymore. The value in what was is where it brought us today. It's woven something beautiful together. It's telling a story. It's shaped us and molded us, but it's unto something. When we say yes to Jesus, he says, take up your cross and follow me. Keeping in mind that it'll go to a resurrection in an empty tomb. But it's movement. It's forward. And the why, why? He said, I want you to be my disciples. I want you to do what I did. Today, here now, your assignment is to manifest the life of Christ and to release his kingdom here on earth. His kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. We've been confused in the last years. A couple of years, the church has been rather loud about some other things. His kingdom is not an economic status. It's not a social situation. It's not even a political government. It's not an economy. It's righteousness, peace, and joy manifest in us because of the way of the cross. It's that good news Greg was talking about for our neighbors. So how can we go forward fiercely into this? Jesus is with us. God is with us. My first experience of this, I was six years old. You all know if you've been around, fear has been a giant in the land for me. As a six-year-old, I could not sleep. My parents took me to a liturgical church, which was great, a good foundation. My memories of that church are my black patent shoes. I always have remember shoes. My little dress, Wilhelmina Peppermints, if you're Dutch, you know, and standing on the pew beside my Oma. I have no memory of Jesus until I went to vacation Bible school that hot August Nova Scotia muggy summer. Can't sleep because the neighbors are playing rock music that is really, really loud, and it makes me feel afraid. Now, you know how parents of small children are. We are in survival mode. Go back to bed, go to sleep. Go back to bed, go to sleep. This fear was tormenting me. It was large. And I remembered vacation Bible school that morning. It cracks me up. Like, this is really? This is how we come to know Jesus? Jesus was there. Why did it not occur to my childish mind to rationalize a whole bunch of stuff? Because it's so good to be a child. Come to him as a child. I don't get it. I don't know. Jesus, come be with me. That's what I said. I said, Jesus, come be with me. And I felt his tangible presence in my room. And I moved over against the wall and said, come stay in bed with me. And I went to sleep, even though the music never stopped. Today, as you navigate uncertainty... You need to know that same Jesus is with you. 
Just move over and make room for him. Surrender all the things you know that are robbing your peace and say yes to Jesus. My parents gave me a Bible after that and they put a verse in it and it's been a life verse. And you know how life verses are. They become so familiar, they lack punch sometimes. However, this one became fresh for me actually at the beginning of COVID. I'm going to share it with you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Really familiar to many of you. Two years ago in a bit, at the beginning of COVID, this verse came to me in a new way. I saw that I was so unsettled because I was leaning on my own understanding. When your anxiety is rising, it's because you're leaning on your own understanding. The things that you know and understand about this tangible world will not bring you peace. They won't. They're not the source of peace. And I love my mind and how it can grasp and know and plan and do things. Not the source of peace. In all your ways, acknowledge him. This acknowledge word is that knowing that is deep and intimate. It's knowing him with my understanding. It's knowing him with my spirit. It's knowing him in my experience, which I can only know if I move on as he is moving. Don't lean on your own understanding. Here's a perfect example of this. I laughed at myself. Do you guys remember at the beginning of the COVID times, gas went down to like 50 some cents a liter? Do you remember? I know, right? Do you, any of you remember having anxiety because it meant our economy was in the tank? Does anybody else remember that? Like, I remember standing there at Costco going, this is so awesome. This is terrifying. The Alberta economy is going to be destroyed. Two years later, I am standing at the same Costco pump watching the dollar signs go and hit $100, which I had never seen in my vehicle before. And I freaked out. And then I just like had this wait a minute moment, really? Two years ago, you were freaking out it was low. Today, you're freaking out it was high. Where is your peace? It sure better not be in fuel prices, right? If we are people with an assignment that is bigger than our natural earth, we're going to have to let go of some of our own understanding. How do I do that? How do I know God at the gas pump? This is where we live. I don't want you just to have an inspirational message that means nothing tomorrow when you go and fuel up your car. Thank you, God, that you are my provider. In every season, regardless of the economy, you are with me. And you will provide everything I need. Sometimes it'll be just enough. Sometimes it'll be extravagance I don't deserve. But you, oh God, are my provider. And in that moment, we remember, we acknowledge him. We know him as God in our uncertainty. He is with us. He is with us. He is with us. And some of you might be like, I don't even know how to know God. I've been trying. It's not complicated. He doesn't command our trust. You've heard me say this before. He never once said commanding in red letters, trust me. Here's what he says, come and learn of me. And you will find rest for your souls. How do we learn of him? It's here. This book tells us what he's like. And it's in our testimony. Two things, two ways you can know God, through his word and through the testimony of others. This is why we need community. 
We've been fragmented and fractured in the last few years. We need each other in all our awkwardness. We must have the power of the testimony. When you see me standing here today, you can know that God delivers us from fear. You've seen it. I couldn't conjure this up by my bootstraps. Absolutely impossible. This is our God. And so we know him. When we start to wobble in our own understanding, we go to this book and we go to each other. Tell me where you've seen God in your life this week. I do not like the uncertainty I'm in right now, but every time I even mention that the house hasn't sold and we haven't found a place to live, somebody says, oh, let me tell you. And they have a story. This is our God. In uncertain times, we can know he is with us. The second thing we can always know is that God is good. Now, this is a tricky one, isn't it? Because again, if I lean on my own understanding, I'm like, this ain't goodness. This, what I'm experiencing and seeing, isn't goodness. Sometimes we need to just redefine God's goodness. I always think of this. Love you moms in the room with babies, because I vividly remember those days. When I was quite young, we had an IGA in our town, and that's where mom would go and get groceries on Friday. She would always take us with her. And at the till in the grocery store, then there was always like this little barrel with these bundles of lollipops. Do any of you guys remember that? Yeah. And if we were good, she would buy the lollipops at the end. Being good in the grocery store meant not fighting with each other, obviously, and all those things, and also not fussing and throwing a fit if she wouldn't buy, you know, Fruit Loops. And when she wouldn't do what we wanted her to do, I have a distinct memory of saying, you're a mean mom. Because I knew kids at school had that food. You're a mean mom. And she said, a mean mother's a good mother. Now, God is not a mean God. But my picture out of that story is that in my immaturity, I put parameters on goodness from God that are only from my human understanding. And so it's actually an activation of faith that we would say, I can't see it right now, but I believe you're good. I'm going to anchor my emotions to that truth. I'm going to worship you and praise you in this uncertainty because I know you're good. I've seen it before. I've seen it in his story. I've seen it in her story. And I can't see it today, but if I dwell on the grave of my loss and disappointment... I actually won't know his goodness. I have to lift up my head and worship. I struggled with this last winter. I think I shared that with you at Christmas time when I was able to speak on hope. That when I was not healed of cancer in the way I thought he could heal me, because I've seen those miracles, I was struggling so much going into the next phase of treatment, because you know it, it's brutal. You know, you've seen it. And I just, my soul that has known God's goodness couldn't find it. Just couldn't find it as an emotion, just a knowing. I'll say it, you're good. This doesn't feel good. At Christmas time, um, at New Year's, I always ask the Lord to give me a word for the year. Now, some people think that's strange, and that's okay. I just ask him every year, what word do you have for me for this year? And the reason I do that is it helps me focus on what he's doing in my life, because he's always doing something. We're just not always paying attention. We're paying attention to what we can see and feel. 
And before I was done the question on New Year's Eve, and I was a miserable person privately on New Year's Eve, I just recovered enough from radiation to forget about stuff once in a while, but I was right going into the hardest part of my treatment, and I knew that's what was coming in January. So I was trying to conjure up that soul. And he said to me the word abundance. And because I am human and have permission to be honest with my daddy, God, I just said, this is not abundance. Sorry, new word. Ain't nobody on the planet or any other planet thinks cancer is abundance. Treatment's not either. Might lead there. It's just awful. He just doesn't argue with me. I love him so much. <laughs> he doesn't argue. He just said, keep a gratitude journal. I'm like, that's cheesy. Not doing that. Don't argue with the Almighty, you're going to lose. All he was asking me to do was to cultivate an awareness of his goodness. It's not denial, you guys. It's just paying attention. He was there in his goodness. He wasn't asking me to pretend it wasn't hard. Let me be honest about that. But because he gave me this assignment, every single day I had to pay attention. Every single day, pay attention. Because I had this assignment, I was going to have to write it down. Some days really, really simple. I'm just so thankful for that sun shining through the window. I didn't create the sun. The heat it's bringing on this cold January day. Oh man, wait, a furnace just came on. I don't have a hot clue how to build a furnace, create a furnace, much less anything. Somebody figured out how to put the gas. I'm like, you just sit there because I had nothing else to do. I could either feel miserable and sorry for myself all day long, or I could keep my head up paying attention to ordinary graces. We miss the ordinary graces while we wait for the big miracles. Some days it was soup and phone calls from friends. You guys, I'm so thankful for you. That was part of my, how can I leave this community? If anything bad ever happens to me again, I need them. <laughs> because I tasted goodness in how you loved and cared for us. So cultivating gratitude, paying attention to God's goodness in the details, fuels our faith for the goodness in the big story. Romans 8.28 is a familiar verse. You know it. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Don't slap it on like a bandage. Make it a place that you can dig your toes in. I know that this will work out together for good. I won't cling to what was as the only evidence of God's goodness. I won't define what his goodness looks like today. I will simply partner in faith through worship and thanksgiving, that what he has for me is good. This is how we live adventurously expectant in unknown times. And my final point is that the Spirit will lead and guide us when we do not know what to do. Jesus did a way better need-to-know message than I'm doing today with his disciples. It's recorded in John chapter 14 to 17. Jesus is going to die. Talk about grave tending. He knows he's going to the cross. His disciples are going to be confused. Here's why. They thought Jesus was going to deal with the Romans. That's what the Messiah will do. He'll set us free from these inconvenient things that we are, think are difficult and we actually hate because they're making us suffer. 
So just like us, they had parameters around this is what Jesus will do. And Jesus is like, you're going to be so confused in a few days. <laughs> and you're going to weep and you're going to mourn as you lose something that you thought was going to be everything. But on the other side, you're going to discover something. And so he has this need-to-know message. Takes up three chapters in our Bible now. In those pages, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Can you just take a deep breath? Don't let it. Am I in charge of that? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Deep breath. Here's why. I won't abandon you as orphans. No abandonment. No abandonment. You're not abandoned. I don't know what's going on, but you're not abandoned. Jesus is with you. And then he says, the Father will send the Spirit who leads and guides into all truth. Three times in this very brief conversation in which he has to tell them everything they need to know, three times he says, I will send my Spirit, I will send my Spirit, I will send my Spirit. And that Spirit will equip you with everything you need. Have you said, yes, Holy Spirit, come? You have that Spirit given to you. It's given to you. Take a deep breath. Lift your hands off all the things that you've been leaning on for your own understanding. Surrender your disappointment, the accusation that God is not good, and say, come, Holy Spirit. Come into my situation and my circumstances. Come. Give me wisdom and strategies. He's going to give you day-to-day -day strategies. What do I do? He's going to tell you. He's smarter than we are, and life has never been more uncertain in our generation. It's never been more uncertain. If you think you know, oh no, you're in trouble. You got to have that spirit. You got to tune into it. He loves you so much. You don't need to be qualified in some special fancy way to hear from this spirit. You say, speak to me, spirit of God, and you wait. That's what happened to the disciples, hey? He gave him an assignment. They're supposed to go into all the world, preach the gospel. No one had ever done that before. How is this going to even happen? He says, go, but, don't, but wait. Wait for my spirit. Don't go without the power of my spirit. In John 16, 12, it says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. I never noticed those words so much as I have in the last few weeks. You can't bear it. So you don't need to know the details now. You'd collapse under the weight of it, but here's what you need to know. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, and here's the deal. He will bring me glory. Do you want to see God's glory manifest on earth? God's glory manifest in your job place, around your dinner table, in your private space, comes from being anchored to these things. He is with me, he is good, and he will guide me. He's so good. He wants to tell you secrets and mysteries, but you're going to have to stop and wait and listen. And I don't know that any of us stop and wait and listen in our culture very well. The disciples who heard him say, go but wait, 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus leaves. There's been more than 500 people hear him and see him say these words. What, is, what are they waiting for? How would you know? How are they going to know? Do you know the story? 
Ten days go by. After 10 days, there's 120 people left of more than 500. 120. That had this relentless sense, there's something else, there's something else, and I'm not going until it comes, and I don't even know what it's going to look like. Ten days. I personally decided to probably wait three before I got back to work. Can't sit around forever just worshiping. <laughs> Sheesh. During those ten days, the ones who received the power of the Spirit, what were they doing? They were gathering together. Doesn't happen in isolation. They were gathering together in some way. You need to gather together. This is not a Lone Ranger assignment. They were worshiping and praying. They were sharing meals together. They were gathered together in worship and prayer and community. And the Spirit came, and it came with power. And it gave them exactly what they needed for that day. And the Spirit has never left the same spirit that came to them is here for us, and it is that resurrection spirit that causes us to let go of what is safe and known and move forward, adventurously expectant. What's next, Papa? In 2018, our church celebrated its 75th anniversary. Dave's a math teacher. He'll tell you how many we're at now. And I remember speaking that day and saying, God has not asked us to build a monument, but to be on a mission. It's okay to put markers of what God has done. It's good. But we're never meant to just sit by a monument and say, this is what he's done. He wants us to be on mission. I'm going to ask you to stand. I don't want this just to be some inspiration. My prayer is it would be an impartation of courage, but then it also has to be activated. And so I'm just going to walk you through a few things. Would you repeat after me, just we're going to say out loud that we acknowledge that God is with us. So in the name of Jesus, would you say, I break agreement with the lie that I've been abandoned. I send it far away from me. Jesus, what do you want me to know? Did anybody receive something they're willing to just shout out for all of us? I am loved and I'm not alone. Encouragement. I have a friend. Let him fill you up with these words. We can receive through what he's saying to other people. You are not abandoned. He is with you. Anybody else? He's always there with me. I'm never abandoned. All right. I am never alone. Thank you, God, that you are with us. Even when it feels we've been forsaken by others. Thank you. You're with us. Okay, next one you can repeat after me if you're game. In the name of Jesus, I break agreement with the lie that God is not good. I break agreement with hopelessness. And I command these out of my life. Yeah. Jesus, what do you have for me instead? 
Anybody want to share? Strength. Big deep breath. Receive it. Receive strength from the Father. He sees you in the challenge and difficulty. He just wants to fill you with himself. Strength. Receive it. Anybody else? I have a friend and I have hope. Breath. I have breath and I have hope. Yes. Taste and see. See how active engagement it is. It's not waiting for something. Taste and see. Say yes to him today. It's the only way you're going to know it. Can you say that again, sweetheart? Joy and love comes with you. Peace. I read some interesting research last week. It says all the, in the research study, all the people who identified themselves as having joy also practiced gratitude. Not a single one of them was separated from the other. So we praise you together, God. We praise you that you are good. And just let that joy rise up in us as we celebrate his goodness, even while we grieve. Two things can happen at the same time. It's okay. Let joy rise. Okay, now what about this lead and guide us into all truth? This is the last step. And here's the deal. I don't know what Jesus is asking you to let go of today. I have a feeling that some people might need to let go of offense. Just because it's so common to us in our humanity. Let go of our dreams and desires for what was. I wish it was. Bring that to him. And it's broken relationships. I don't know. But I want you to pause in his presence and ask him, Jesus, what are you asking me to release today? He doesn't pry it out of our hands. It's yours to release to him or not. Would you surrender it to him? The moving forward is always an action step. What does he want you to do? This thing you're letting go of, what is the action step attached to that? Would you put your hands out? Beaver Lodge Alliance Church, I bless you now in Jesus' name with fresh filling of the Spirit. I stand with you in the mighty name of Jesus and I rebuke apathy. And I ask Jesus to lift off languishing and lethargy. The spirit of heaviness and grief come Holy Spirit, and lift it off of us now. And come breath of God. Come breath of God. Lord, would you continue to increase and multiply what you have been doing in this place and what you will continue to do through your sons and daughters who have hearts and hands open, saying, 
Yes, Papa, what's next? Come, Holy Spirit, we ask for more. Everything that you've done in the past is but a seed and a glimpse of what you intend to do because you are the God who is ever increasing. You take us from glory to glory, so we ask for that, God. I ask that you continue to make this church a signpost of the one who saves and heals and delivers. I pray that you cause this church and this congregation to continue to flourish in love and good works. Lord, would you restore fractured relationships? Would you just eradicate division and strife and envy? Would you fill us with love? Would you make us dangerous, God? Make us dangerous. Because the whole world is waiting. It is hungry and it is longing for the righteousness, peace, and joy that is your kingdom, God. And so we commit all of this to you now. And say, may your kingdom come and your will be done here in our lives as it is in heaven. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.